There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Friday creepy episode of St. Happy Hour Podcast. As always, it is sponsored by JLD Hot Sauces and Knives. Guys, it might be too late to get an order shipped for Christmas, but it's never too late for hot sauce. They have the best hot sauce, including Thai flavors, Buchalika. Uh They have the Ghost Pepper Reaper Madness. It's the shot of it's the strength of ten peppers in a one ounce shot. They have the best knives in the kitchen for hunting, for fishing. Uh, go to jldsharpsauce.com and use the code Saint and get ten percent off your order today. Once again, that's jldsharpsauce.com. And get ten percent off today. They are the reason you get this for free. All right, Andrew, the Saints are playing the Steelers Sunday at 3.30. Um, we got into it a little bit on the podcast, but as always, we dive deeper for this episode. The first thing that comes to mind, the Saints' offensive line is potentially not a mess, but they're going to have three new dudes starting. They could have Pete at left, Pete at left tackle, Clapp at left guard, Cameron Tom at center, and then Warford and Ramchak on the right side. So my theory is this. I was listening to Trent Dilfer talk about uh, the Rams' struggles, and he was mentioning something about that I didn't really – I th- you realize it, but you don't, and that when a team plays one formation like the Rams, the thing that teams can hone in on is not the receivers and the routes and all that. It's that when you want one run one formation, you can only protect the quarterback so many ways, right? You know? So teams focus in and attack your your protection schemes, and the Rams, and when they run out of formation, they only have three or four, so teams are just killing them. So I was thinking the Saints, obviously, formation teams to death, right? That's that's the, like part of their core offense. So even though the Saints, with, with all the injuries and offensive line issues they had, would they try to formation the Steelers to death to slow down the pass rush? Uh, even though it's kind of counterintuitive with a bunch of new guys on the line. Yeah, yeah, it's possible. I mean, I, I would like to see them go more 11, more jumbo sets, and have just more blocking on the edge. Now, you, you, you saw them do it a little bit with Will Clapp, uh in the last game, and they kind of had to dish that when Unger went out because then Cameron Tom had to come in, and they were a little bit thinner, and then when Bushrock came out, Pete kicked over and Clapp came in, and so then then they didn't have any extra offensive linemen, so they couldn't really run those jumbo sets anymore. Um, you know, they tried to do it maybe a little bit with Josh Hill as the jumbo guy, but um, I, I would like to see more of that, especially in this game because their lineup is somewhat decimated. It'll give the, a look the Steelers won't have seen a lot this year on tape from the Saints, mm-hmm. um, and it'll allow them to maybe lean on Ingram a little bit more and, and kind of Ask, their, ask more out of their running game. So that's what I'd like to see out of the Saints, maybe shrink the margins a little bit, run a little bit more in this game. If you have to punt, you have to punt. Um, and, and you trust your defense because your defense has been playing well. So uh, I, I would prefer to see that kind of game than the Saints try to stretch it out and pass and, 
you mentioned on other shows that the Steelers' pass rush is so good. I mean, that's the best way to neutralize a good pass rush. So, you know, obviously, easier said than done. Hopefully the Saints have success. It's very hard to show a run formation and run successfully out of it because the team is going to be expecting it. Um, but going into this game, I think the Saints have to at least try to do that and punt if, if that's what they have to do uh, to try to protect Drew Brees. I think this is going to be this is going to be a tough game. But I don't, so you talk about the offensive line stuff. I mean, we, we don't know. You know, they do have Derek Newton on the roster. Would they maybe mm-hmm. consider putting him at left tackle and keeping Pete at guard? Uh, you know, I don't know how far along he is. That's, that's probably not as wise as maybe sticking with Clapp and Tom, who have been through all mm-hmm. training camp and everything. So, um, you know, my my instinct is that is that uh, Unger's going to be out because Unger had a concussion, and you know, I just think six days is going to be too too short. So, mm-hmm. uh, my get my gut my guess is that Unger is going to be out. Bushrod, we don't know, so we'll have to wait for the injury report. Yeah, and the thing is too to remember, you know, you mentioned three tight ends, you know. It's a long time ago now, but in 2015, the Saints, they shipped out Akeem Hicks, right, and they traded him to New England, and everybody was like, what are the Saints doing? He's a starter on defense, and they're getting the Patriots' third tight end who wasn't even playing. But the Saints, that kind of kick-started their offense that year where they started running three tight ends, and the Saints run that in a way where they designed it to where it would help Breeze reveal what the defense was doing and you know you it seems it seems a thousand years ago now because they have Michael Thomas and Kamara and all this and the offense is different but there's no reason they couldn't you know maybe go back to it and lean on it heavily against the Steelers Sunday yeah I think it'd be a nice wrinkle too where maybe the Seahawks I'm sorry the Sea Steelers don't prepare for it you know and and it could catch them off guard and you know I mentioned this on the podcast on Monday, but I, I or Tuesday, but I really just feel like this is a. I, I'm actually kind of glad the Saints are going through this right now because mm-hmm. I think it's going to force Sean Payton to be a little bit more creative, a little bit more innovative, and, and maybe just pay a little bit more attention to what can we do right now that makes this successful. And I just feel like if Sean Payton's spending extra time tinkering in the lab. Mm-hmm. I can't help but think he's going to figure it out. But I, I think this game is important, even though the offensive line is banged up. I think it's important for the fan base. You know, I think it's important for fans to see the offense kind of bounce back and have a good game, maybe even more so than for the Saints and their own confidence. <laughs> I, I think Breeze has a high degree of confidence, and I think he knows that he can fix and repair things. And I'm sure Sean Payton believes that too, but – I just think the, the fans really need that right now. So, and you know, I, I think it'll help the, the media narrative nationally. So, I, I'm I'm hoping for a big bounce back performance. Uh, but again, when you talk about shrinking the margins, for me, the magic number is 23. I think you got to hope that you run the ball way more than you're normally run it. If that means more Taysom Hill and more Mark Ingram, less Alvin Kamara, less Michael Thomas, so be it. But I think you want to really try to run as much as possible. Hopefully you get a couple turnovers here and there, which give you shorter fields to work with. Yeah. Maybe you get a big return out of Camaro or, or Tommy Lee Lewis. But I think the magic number is 23. You just got to hope your offense gets to 23. And then, then it's going to be up to the defense. Can they hold 
Big Ben and that offense, that high-powered, very potent offense, can they hold them to less than 23 points and win this game? Yeah, and I think, you know, I joked on the podcast that I would love to see it to be Saints win 10-6, to and then we can just have full-blown panic uh, from, the, from the Saints fans, and the national media can decide that the Bears or the Rams are better, and then the Saints can, can use that as fuel and then come out, come out and stomp somebody on the bye week. Uh, which would be delightful. But I just think this game, like fans, we need to have... The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. I have a different mindset with the O-line beat up and all this. Like, yeah. I don't think I don't think they're gonna like the offense is gonna be kicks is gonna kickstart it and they're gonna blow the Steelers out. I don't think they even if they were completely healthy, like the Steelers defense is good and I know the Steelers are, are eight five and one or whatever, but they they their losses have been like close. Like they gagged it up against San Diego, they gagged it up against Cleveland, they they um, they blew it against Yeah, they, they had no business having that tie. I mean, they should yeah. have won that game running away. Yeah, and same thing with Denver. Like, they, they ran some goofy stuff in the goal line that blew up in their face. Um, so they're a really good team, and I just think it, it would have been hard going anyway. So I just think, you know, at the end of this game, if the Saints, you know, say the Saints win and it's 24-17 to 17 or whatever, I'm going to be looking at, you know, if the Saints can get their running game going and do things on offense with a revamped offensive line, I think that'll be a great sign. Um, you know, but I, I think I think it's I just think it's important to remember that like Armstead's going to come back, Unger's mm-hmm. going to come back, not for this game, but eventually, and Ginn hopefully comes back. Like things will be okay for the offense. Like they will figure it out. So like I think, like you said, I think you come into this game with lower expectations offensively. We know the offense is struggling anyway. Um, coming back at home helps, but then your offensive line is decimated. So now it just really becomes like, all right, we know we're coming into this game limping. Our offensive line is weaker. How do we mitigate that and just try to find a way to dirty this game up enough to make it competitive and try to steal it at the end? Yeah, and I mean, look, the Carolina game, you know, I joked in my column and I joked on the podcast, like it was the Saints just stepping on rake after rake after rake. Like it was – like I didn't look at that game and wonder – 
like, oh, my God, how are the Saints going to score? I kept saying, don't fucking drop the ball, Ben Watson. Don't have a fucking holding penalty that negates a 17-yard pass play on I first mean, the, down. I mean, the Tommy Lee Lewis fumble at the end was, like, the perfect ending to yeah. the, game, the game for that offense because great play call, set up well, executed, and, you know, if he doesn't stretch the ball out, he doesn't get a touchdown, but he gets a first down on the one-yard line, and the game's over. He didn't have to score there. That's the funny part is he gets tackled at the one, and it's a first down, and the game is over. So, like, a huge mistake by Tommy Lewis, but, like, you know, again, it's like the locking was there, the play call was there, it, the play was basically had, and yet you shoot yourself in the foot right at the end of it, and it makes the whole thing look stupid. And I just thought, like, that was, like, the whole offensive game in, in, a, in, a, in a nutshell. <laughs> it was. It was. Yeah. It was like a it was it was like a crescendo of of, of just stupid, you know. Um, this Steeler team, man, they're good. They're good. I mean, they have Antonio Brown, uh, Ben Watts. I mean, Ben uh, Ben Roethlisberger is still excellent at quarterback. Their their defense has gotten better as the year has gone along. Um, DJ Watt is he's tough to block, man. That's going to be a handful for Ramchick. Yeah, and uh, the thing is though, with that Big Ben, man. He has games where, like, he will turn over binge like a motherfucker, you know, where, like, the Drew Brees, like, this, you know, Drew Brees, as he's gotten older and the Saints have built that roster around him, he sort of knows his limitations, right, and he, he, he embraces them, and he hasn't had, really, his turnover binge. The, the offense has slumped, right, the last three, you know, the last three weeks they had the good half against Tampa, but, you know, he had the fumble against Tampa and he had the one day through, but the other two games, it, like, it, the offense didn't struggle because of three, four, five turnovers, which the Saints had, had done historically. But Big Ben, he still got that in him, man. He it, it is a not, and the Saints defense is to the point now where you know in the olden days we just be like wishing on a prayer, wishing on a hope that it's like the turnovers are just the Saints would just fall ass backwards into them. Why would this happen? We don't know. We're just asking for a miracle. But like with the Saints pass rush, like. They could force Ben. Like Ben will do something. It's gonna get about Roethlisberger. Yeah. You know, um, so if they can create, you know, if they can create a bunch of turnovers, uh, then they can get ahead. And the interesting thing with the Saints' run defense is, it isn't just because the Saints play from ahead. The Saints' run defense, Andrew, is good. And I was thinking about this as I was doing some research for the show. You know. The Saints' run defense really has been good from day one of this year, and it was it was it was the main reason why they almost beat Tampa. Even though Tampa got twenty four ahead of them, Tampa was like, "Oh, we're ahead twenty four. Now we'll just run the ball on the Saints' shitty defense, and it'll be fine, and we'll get out of here." And the Saints are like, "Nope." So Tampa, like, you know, they had two possessions where they like ran it three times and punted, ran it three times and punted, and it was because the Saints caught up, and that's how they almost they almost got you know, got the game to overtime. So this, like, Saints run defense, I am completely and utterly confident. We're now with this this defense, if it's healthy, like, the Saints decide the Steelers aren't running the ball. They aren't fucking running the ball. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, at this point, I don't see how you could say otherwise. Um, you know, you've looked at what they've done against Gurley, what they've done against Ezekiel Elliott, both both guys that are in the Pro Bowl ahead of Kamara, based on the way they've run the ball. You know, this, actually – they played the three backs that are in the Pro Bowl. They played Saquon Barkley also. So yeah. the three guys that, that people in the NFC, whoever votes for that, 
between the players, the coaches, the fans, you know, whoever votes to get those three guys ahead of Camara deemed as better backs in the NFC, well, all three of them have done dick against the Saints' run defense. So, you know, you look at that and you look at the Saints' success at this point. I know earlier in the season they're like, well, they haven't really faced a running attack except for the Giants. Well, at this point, you don't know, yes, they have. They've faced the best. They have faced the three best running backs in the NFC. They've shut all three down. Like, this is no more like a narrative. This is no more like something based on a small sample size. This is identity, man. This is who they are. I, I would say more so than explosive offense, which is kind of maybe taking a, a hit or great defense or great special teams, great kicking game, whatever you want to say. Like, I would say the identity of this 2018 Saints team is you can't run on them more than anything. I would say that's the number yeah. one identifier. And in most years, like since Sean Payton started, I would say explosive offense, great on third down, you know, Drew Brees, mm-hmm. and it all runs through Drew Brees, it all runs through Sproles, it all runs through Jimmy Grant, whatever. This year, it's their run defense. That is the team's identity. Yeah, and part of that, too, and we we didn't touch on it on the podcast, but we should have, um, you know, because we, we look, Eli Apple has been amazing the last two, three weeks, so he gets the Mario Davis has been amazing. He got snubbed in the Pro Bowl. He's been great. Cam Jordan, of course, has been great. Rankins is going to have double due sacks. But a guy who the Saints brought back last year, he was great last year, was Okafor, uh, Alex Okafor. And he was he was great, but he got he blew out his Achilles. The Saints brought him back on, like, an incentive-laden deal. And he was pretty good. He was better than you thought he would be, I think, early in the year, Andrew. But now it's like a year since that Achilles. And he's been coming on these last couple of weeks. I know he's, you look at the stats, you're like, well, he's only got four sacks. But, dude, he's been coming on. He's around that ball. And, of course, he sets the edge in the running. He's been a guy, like, I'm, su- I'm surprised how good he is a year following that Achilles. Yeah, it's incredible, really. Especially, I mean, you know, I say at his age, I mean, Alex Okafor, I mean, it's not like he's 35 or whatever. I mean, he's still relatively young. But... You know, I, I think not only is that injury a death sentence for a lot of players, but, you know, he's only 27. But, you know, even if they do come back, um, they're almost never the same. And I really feel like Okafor this year has kind of been the same as last year, and he's been getting better every week. Um, you know, I just read that article about how critical he is to the punt blocking team now and how he's on the punt blocking team on every every punt block formation now. So, you know, I was excited when the Saints signed him. I just feel like he has been unspectacular but solid throughout mm-hmm. his tenure with the Saints. And, like, I hope they bring him back again next year. I mean, I know, like, you know, eventually, like, this is Davenport's job and they're going to continue to develop him. And, you know, eventually it will mean less playing time for Okafor. But I just can't imagine not having him on the roster. I Body. Think great. Great pickup, and I hope they hang on to him. I really do. That's how Philly won last year, man. They just kept hitting Tom Brady in that Super Bowl, and they made him make, you know, uh, a couple mistakes, not even interceptions, just some bad throws. Like, you need – dude, you can never have enough good linemen. And and you just accumulate them, and if they leave because you can't pay them all, you try to accumulate more. Like, you can never have enough bodies on the defense. No, I don't think any team in the modern NFL is like, you know what? We got too many defensive linemen. Let's just ship one out. For, you know, like they just hold on to it. It's like corner, man. You can never, you can never have enough. 
The last thing I want to touch on, and you mentioned it, and I think it, it doesn't get enough. You know, we joke about the Saints, the kicking luck, right? And, and by the way, Pittsburgh kicker, he's terrible. He's probably kicking for his job from this week on. Like, if that dude misses another short field goal, he's probably getting cut. So the kicking luck could continue. But, Andrew, talk about their special team. The Saints special teams, they were, like, either bad or mediocre the entire life of Sean Payton. They changed the coach. They got rid of Greg McMahon. And they rock now on special teams. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is just – I think it's a couple things. I think, first off, give West off a lot of credit for coaching those guys up. I mean, obviously, he's a great coach. And, you know, they got the kicking game specialist to help Will Lutz. And, you know, and, and the kicking game specialist is all about transition time from snap to hold to kick, you know, and speeding that up and – getting the trajectory higher. I can't remember the guy's name. I think it's Bradford Banta. But uh, they've got another guy. They've got three kind of guys with tons of coaching experience on special teams. They've really invested. They've really invested not only in the coaches, but then when you look at the players, uh, you know, getting Justin Hardy, kind of landing mm-hmm. him, and Chris Banjo, and, you know, I, I just like paying Morstead the money that he deserves, and and all that, I, mean, I, I, feel, I feel like this team has gone out of their way to get the right guys uh, and give roster spots to guys that are helping them, like the Robertson, mm-hmm. Robertson, the running back, who's playing a lot on special teams, and Hardy and Banjo, and there's a bunch of other guys. Uh, but then it's also just being creative. Like, I just talked about Okafor and how he went from, like, being on one punt block strategy to basically being on all the punt blocking teams because – he, he, they didn't realize how good he was until he started playing him, and they were just like, we need this guy. And, and kind of the same thing with Taysom Hill. He started to dabble, and then all of a sudden they realized, like, holy shit, you're our best blocker on our return team, and you can return kicks, and you're a good gunner. And so he just started to get more and more responsibilities. So I think sometimes it's just like you don't know who's going to be good on special teams until you get them out there. And, you know, the J.T. Gray thing, I mean, it, the Saints cut him, and he ended up – he's not on the roster anymore, but – I give them credit. Like, I think the Saints haven't been afraid to keep a guy like J.T. Gray and cut a draft pick. Uh, I, forgot he I yeah. forgot he existed. They they kept him over, like, two draft picks. But you don't realize, like, how no. much of an advantage it is. Like, every game that the Saints go into right now, I feel like they have a huge advantage in that phase of the game over against anyone. Because I know they have a better punter. I know they have a better kicker. I mean, I put up Lutz and Morstead up against anyone. and But Morstead's always been good, but, like, we, in the Sean Payton era, we haven't always had that luxury. Like, our kicking game is, on the whole, it's kind of been hit or miss under Sean Payton. And a yeah. lot of times it's been pretty bad. And so, you know, like, that's the New England Patriot way. They have always had amazing gunners and a good return game and a great kicker and a great punter. Like, that's one thing when you look at the Patriots, like, it's all about Tom Brady and it's all about Belichick. But what, one thing you don't realize is that, like, the one thing that stands out to me during that whole span of them having success, they always, always, always have the best special team, rock yeah. solid. And that's and where I... the Saints are right now. They are owning teams every week. And so when you see the block pump by Taysom Hill – or you see the block punt by Alex Okafor, or the big return by Kamara on a kickoff. Tommy Lee Lewis has been doing a pretty good job on punt returns. Or or if you look at their coverage units, Justin Hardy making these plays. Like, 
you look at that stuff, and it's two or three times a game. The Saints aren't missing any kicks. Like, we take that for granted, how, like, every kick is automatic. And every team they're playing, it seems like they miss field goals. And so, like, you get two or three of those things a game where it's just, like, a huge advantage is swung in the Saints' favor because of it. Yeah, and it's like, you know, the, the Bill Conley, he has a formula for football. And, you know, I won't get into the math because it's really complicated. But, but to simplify it, basically it is the three biggest things in football are explosive plays, how many you get, how many you give up, right, plays over 20 yards, turnovers, and then the third thing is where do you start drives, you know? And special teams makes a huge difference. And the thing is, I think – as the NFL has tried to, like, de-emphasize kickoffs, right, and punts, you don't see as many necessarily returns on kickoffs, right, because most of them go back through the end zone. So fans look at special teams through the lens of, is our kicker good, and do we have a good return game? Well, the Saints' return game is nice, but it isn't, like, Devin Hester fantastic, right? So it, you don't necessarily think about it. But, like, they had that punt against Carolina where Justin Hardy goes down there, fights off two gunners, and tackles the dude, and he's inside the 20, and it just makes it harder for them to start, you know? Because if you're giving up, instead of giving up five yards, but instead of giving up, you know, 10 yards of return, you're giving up four. That's a big, it's a big difference, you know? It's the difference between starting at the 40 or starting at the 34. That's a huge difference in drive starts, and I just think it's one, it's one, and it's one thing, man, that, you know, we, we joked on the podcast, like, the Saints missed Ted Ginn because Ted Ginn can swing the fear of Ted Ginn, right? He can swing a game where, like, the Saints offense can be struggling, and then, boom, Ted Ginn hits a 70-yard bomb and you're even. Man, special teams, if, you're, if you are dominating the team, and you might not, you might be dominating the scoreboard 14-3, to or like Tampa two weeks ago. They're, they're dominating the Saints. The Saints are sluggish. Saints offense isn't doing dick, you know? The Saints got the ball to start the second half. They went three and out, and then Tampa got it. They're punting. Taysom Hill blocks that punt, dude. It swung everything. And especially, like, especially when you play these teams like the Bears in Seattle, where they're going to have to grind you out, and they're never going to really stretch the lead on you, even if they're playing great against you, right? You know? So, like, in a playoff game, like, if the Bears are beating the Saints 10-3 to and the Saints offense is bogged down like a son of a bitch, Man, the Saints block a punt, it's 10-10. You're like, ha-ha, Chicago. You played great for two and a half quarters, and guess what? It was all fucking erased because your special teams just got their ass handed to them. You know, so it's just things like that that make a huge difference. But have you changed your prediction before we get out of here? Have you changed your thought on the Steeler game? Uh, no, I think, I, I think I'm still picking the Steelers to win, and I, I just think, like, the Saints have a game to burn here. They have two yeah. games left. And I mean, it'd be nice to be 14-2, and two, which would be the best record in Saints history. But I don't think Sean Payton cares about that. I think he cares about getting home field advantage. And I think he cares about, you know, just winning one of these next two. I mean, having two weeks off, with you know, if you could just play backups against Carolina the second time would be fine. But I think, I think Sean Payton is going to be inclined to kind of try to win ugly against the Steelers without, like, make, taking too many risks with health, you know? Because yeah. I just feel like there's no fucking way Carolina is beating the Saints in the Dome with what with what they're bringing right now. You know, you just saw that. Like, I don't even know if Cam Newton would play, you know? 
And and even if he does, like we've seen what's wrong with him right now, like he, he would be useless. And I, I just feel like in the Dome, if the Saints have to win Week 17 against Carolina, to me there's no question they're going to do it. Because Carolina is going to be ready to go home. They're going to be ready for vacation. They're banged up. Like, they gave the Saints everything they had left on that Monday night game. And, and I think they're done. And yeah. so I, I just think – the Saints, you know, and especially if they're officially eliminated from the playoffs and the game really is meaningless to Carolina. I, I know right now they have like a 2% chance. But it's not that the Steelers game doesn't matter. In a perfect world, the Saints win it and, and then they move on. To, but, like, I just think their offensive line is banged up. And I think they can win. I still think the Saints can win like 23-20, to 20, you know, and it just be an ugly game and the Saints kind of steal it at the end. Um, but I just think right now with the the offense kind of being in a, in a in a slump and some the offensive line being banged up, and then you couple that with Pittsburgh's desperate. I mean, they just played well against New England, and they have mm-hmm. to have this. I I think this would be one where maybe the Steelers um, find a way to win it on the road, and then the Saints come back Week 17 and blow out the Panthers. Yeah, and I just think like like you said, you know. It isn't that the Saints don't want to win. It isn't that they're important, but they they're not going to they're not going to pay the they're not going to pay the risk price to win Sunday. Like if it's right. if they, they don't if have they, to. yeah they don't have to they don't have to rush these. The Saints aren't eight and six and have to win out to get in. They the the Rams the Rams gave them a mulligan or a chance to have the double buy. Either one of them is valuable. I think the Saints. I just look at if, if I had no rooting interest in this game, I would be pounding the Steelers plus six and a half in this game uh, on the money line too. Like I just think this is, I just think it's a it's a tough tough spot for the Saints. So uh, we'll see. Uh, so anyway, this is Freebie Friday, sponsored by JLB Hot Sauces and Knives. Go to JLBSharpSauce.com. Uh, we'll see you after the game, son. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.